Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. This is episode 58. My name is Dwayne Osterland, and I'm your host. I'm also the founder of Nova's Mindful Life Institute Family Counseling and Recovery in Long Beach, California. If you or someone you know is struggling with any of life's challenges, please reach out to us. You can find more information about us at theaddictedmind.com forward slash help. Today's guest name is Laura Kelly, and she is a reporter for the Washington Times. And I was in my news feed, came up an article about teens struggling with nicotine addiction and these new vaping e-cigarettes. And so I reached out to her and asked her to come on and talk about her article that she wrote. And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. And this was quite a personal issue for me because I struggled with nicotine addiction back way back in the day when I was like 16. I think I smoked for about 10 years. And I can tell you, it took me almost two years to quit nicotine. It was a real big struggle. So I can definitely relate to this. And I I can really feel for these teens who are going to struggle with this problem. So it was great to talk with her about it. It was very enlightening. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Also, if you're enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please rate and review us in iTunes. That really does help get us exposure on iTunes and helps people find this podcast. And uh, I really appreciate it as well. Also, don't forget, you can join our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and type in the Addicted Mind podcast and uh, answer a few questions and join that group. We're sharing resources and I'm working to grow that so that it can be a resource for people who want to know more about addiction or are looking for help. So please join that and uh, join the conversation there. Okay, let's, uh, let's go and start this episode. All right, everybody, welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My guest today is Laura Kelly, and I found her from an article that she was writing about with uh, teens who were dealing with nicotine addiction, specifically, I guess, this new electronic cigarette. So I'm so happy that you decided to come on and you said yes to my invitation so I could talk to you. So let's first uh, talk about you a little bit. And uh, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, my name is Laura Kelly. I am based in Washington, D.C., and I'm the health reporter for The Washington Times. All right. Great. So tell me a little bit about your reporting and how does that actually work that you got this topic and and that you started uh, doing this? So the topic of e-cigarettes and teenagers and Juul specifically is the product really started um, coming into the national conscious, I guess, around the beginning of 2018, so January, February, March, this product came on and it was unlike a lot of the other e-cigarette or vaping devices on the market in that it was much smaller. It's about the size of a USB stick. You charge it by plugging it into your computer. And they also have these self-enclosed cartridges with their own patented design of nicotine vaping juice. And it's salt-based, which I'm not 100% sure on the science of it, but apparently it kicks up that uh, nicotine punch a little bit more than traditional vaping devices. And they also came in all these really attractive flavors that teens 
really responded to. And what we know now about this kind of rise in teen use of these products, Juul specifically, but also in vaping products in general, is that there was really a push through the industry to market this to young people by promoting them on social media and having these these posts with really good looking people and they were using these devices. And while the company said it was their purpose to transition current cigarette smokers to potentially less harmful vaping devices, you're not getting all of the harmful chemicals and, and adverse effects from, from traditional cigarettes. Teens who already knew that smoking was bad were looking at this. It's like, oh, what's this like cool new thing? And everybody started doing it vape in, in class and they would record themselves and they would put it on social media. So it was just kind of this cycle. <laughs> well, let, let's talk a little bit like what, what vaping is for a lot of people who don't know what that is. What is vaping? I mean, I, I see it now. And uh, you see vape shops all over the place now, it seems like. Yeah. So I think around, I think it was around like 2013, 2012, maybe even a little bit earlier, cigarette companies and, and these new companies decided to take this technology, vaporizing liquid that mimics smoking, I guess, but it's a, it's a totally different experience. And if you have this liquid that's vaporized and they put nicotine in it, they're hoping that it transitions current cigarette smokers away. And so you inhale, you inhale this. I mean, I've seen people who have, sometimes it looks like a little box. Yes. And they inhale it and then they breathe out almost like a mist. I mean, it's not really smoke. Yeah. It's like huge clouds of vapor. Yeah. Yeah. And that's carrying the nicotine into the body. Yes. And there's different levels of, I mean, with those big boxy devices, it, people would kind of have to buy the nicotine liquid or the, or the vaping juice, they call it separately. And they would have to manually put it in. And you could, so the vape shops would have all these different devices, all these different juices, all these different flavors and things like that. I remember one person had something that smelled like birthday cake to me. It was very weird. And then those were kind of the first generations. And for the federal government, for the Food and Drug Administration, which oversees tobacco products, this category was kind of separate. And so they weren't sure if they actually should regulate it, how they should regulate it, what were the harms, maybe the potential benefits. And so they've kind of left this period of time open where they are saying, okay, we're gathering more evidence. We're trying to understand if this is harmful, if this is helpful. So this, this kind of happened. So this kind of started to, vaping started to happen and it was unregulated or is it still unregulated or is it? It's, it's pretty much still unregulated. You have, you have a lot of states that are kind of regulating against it, but on a federal level, it's still kind of an open market. I mean, the FDA has taken action against a lot of these companies, specifically Juul, for how they market to teens and, you know, making sure that the oversight that they say that they have on purchases are not being sold to kids that are under 18 or, I mean, Juul on its website says that they don't sell to anybody under 21, but um, I think only, well, yeah. you know, 30% okay. of states in the U.S. Um, don't, <laughs> don't sell to kids under right. 21. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We don't, we don't, we don't sell to, to, uh, to anyone under, <laughs> under this age. Yeah. yeah. So here we have this addictive substance. This is what I'm hearing. This is kind of how I see it. We have this addictive substance that uh, nicotine, which is highly addictive. And then we have an unregulated market in which people can deliver this substance and their marketing 
to to teens. Well, not directly. I mean, they say they're not marketing right, to teens, right. but it seems like it's having an impact because I think in your article, you talked about how the increase in teen consumption of nicotine is going up. It's a really odd trend to watch in, in some of the reporting I've been doing over the past year, just looking at youth risk, right? They're doing drugs, they're drinking, they're having sex, whatever normal teen behavior, all of those factors are seeming to go down and decrease or at least stay a little bit stable. But vaping over the past, it has, I think it has doubled over the past year. It's the largest increase in kind of a risky behavior that they've ever seen among teens. And so it's something that's just like really taken hold. So, okay. So this is, it's kind of really taken off. There, these teens are starting to ingest this addictive substance. And then there's these companies that are selling this. So who are these companies? So you said Juul is one. Juul is one. And I think Juul really set the standard for how the new devices should look. And so now you kind of see a lot of a lot of copycats because they're just, they're so small, they're so discreet. And then also those, those kind of big vapor clouds that we talked about earlier, Juul doesn't really uh, create those. They're kind of a bit smaller. They dissipate really quickly. So people are smoking them inside, or I would say, how do we say, like hitting hitting the jewel uh, inside because okay. <laughs> they're not technically smoking. And so they can do it really quickly. They can get their hit of nicotine and then they can just go about their business. Whereas like other vaping devices are kind of a little bit clunky and and are, are very noticeable. So what what's the impact we're seeing with these kids who, I guess, you know, yeah, they're under 18, 16, 15? So the adverse effects of nicotine on the developing brain, I mean, it has uh, has all these potential harms, which is disrupting memory and making it more difficult for them to concentrate. It's disrupting their sleep. There's a lot of maybe other biological adverse effects that I'm not so 100% well-versed in because I'm a reporter, not a, not a doctor. But the but the potency of these products, specifically Juul, uh, you know, one cartridge of a of a Juul, um, it's called a pod, is the equivalent to a pack of cigarettes. And over, I, I've spoken to some people who use Juul, and they say that over the period of a couple months, they've gone from going through one pod a week to going through a pod a day. So, so like a pack of cigarettes a day. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. That that's a pretty heavy. For me, I, I actually, when I was a teenager, I was I, I smoked and, and it, it took me forever to quit. It was a long time. I think I quit when I was about 28 years old, but it took like uh, almost two years of attempting to quit this. I finally did, but it is really hard. So they're smoking like a pack a day. Mm-hmm. And what's the cost on that? That's also, that's also kind of like, hmm, what's going on here? Yeah. I mean, one girl... There's the actual cost, which is, I mean, these things, these things cost money. It's a piece of technology. A jewel um, itself costs maybe anywhere between like $25, $35, something like that. And then these little pods, they cost about $16. Also, the price fluctuates depending on what state you are in and, and different taxes. Not all of these products are taxed like cigarettes. And that's something that states are trying to consider now to impact the, the teen vaping rate. So one, kids who don't have a lot of money are spending it all on these products. And then two, I mean, it's just completely disruptive. And 
you think about kids, it's already hard for them, I think, to to concentrate and, and to focus. And now they have this really paralyzing addiction where they need to leave the classroom all the time or they, they just need to, they don't sleep at night because they're waking up because they want to hit their jewel. They're prone to mood swings if they, if they don't get their nicotine hit. So, and then, you know, what are the long-term consequences of that? They're probably more likely to start right. They're actually four times more likely to pick up a regular cigarette. So a lot of people are concerned that they're just all the progress that they've made in reducing the teen smoking rate is now going to be reversed because these kids are going to find that, oh, their jewel isn't charged or maybe they can't afford the pod right away. Right. But they need their nicotine. So exactly. And and I can definitely tell you that is a strong drive to have that. Yeah. It is really, really hard to quit. So you've got these young kids who are spending all their money on Juul or whatever vaping device that they're doing. They're having all this impact of health concerns, mental health concerns. And um, that's pretty alarming. And it's unregulated. Yeah. Yes. So this... By the end of this week, it'd be January 19th, I believe, the Food and Drug Administration is going to hold a public hearing to talk about what options they have for helping kids quit. And that's it's surprising that that's kind of a question because you think maybe they could use the same tactics that they use for smoking, maybe this nicotine patch, but in a or, or gum or lozenges, things like that. But they don't know if cessation from vaping devices is is a totally different field than than smoking. And then also, are these medications that are approved and regulated for adults, how do you administer them to developing children? Right. And so, and we don't really, I guess, we don't really know, like you were saying earlier, we don't really know how this impacts, impacts people in the long run. I mean, you got these kids who are now addicted. And um, I was reading somewhere too about this, which is kind of alarming, is that it actually sets that once they have that kind of nicotine addiction, it also creates propensity for other addictions to come in as well. Like it kind of preps the brain right, right, for the addictive process, which that's kind of alarming too. I mean, especially when we're still battling this opioid epidemic where heroin is increasing, meth is increasing, cane use Fentanyl is a highly potent opioid that is very deadly in very small amounts, and that's contaminating nearly every drug on the illegal market. So kid maybe is getting a little bit more open to, to any of these illicit substances and takes, takes a hit and, and it's tainted with fentanyl and, and then they die. Yeah, it's, it's awful. That's the unfortunate, maybe extreme version of it. And I wonder, I have a, a suspicion about some of these companies that do this. I mean, they didn't quote market to teens, but their advertising, seeing some of their advertising, you could see how a teen could look at that as, as something cool. I mean, definitely in their advertising, even though maybe the models aren't teens, but they're definitely young people that you that you want to aspire to be like. Especially yeah, yeah, I've media. seen some of the advertising and it's kind of and it, what's really interesting is even I had reached out to you. I started hearing radio ads for Jewel. Yeah, you know? And I was like, wow, I'm starting to see it kind of all over the place. And it, it's almost like trying to put a spin on it that it's a, it's a good, helpful thing like a positive thing. It was really weird to, to hear it. I was like, what? Yeah, the advertising is a bit 
It's a bit weird. I mean, it seems that it could be something that could be easily fixed by the FDA, which is, you know, doesn't allow cigarette companies to advertise their products. But because e-cigarettes fall under a different banner, they're not entirely regulated if the same, if if at all. So they kind of have these loopholes where they can advertise. And I think that, I mean, the advertising on the internet too, by virtue of me researching Juul and researching these different articles, now I'm getting advertisements for all these different vaping products, just like in the middle of my web browser. Right. In the middle of your, your Facebook feed or Instagram feed or, or yeah. And that's kind of crazy. And I don't even know. Yeah. I don't know. It, it is. It's kind of crazy, which is kind of, you know, it sounds like, and I wonder it's, this is my suspicion is since this is an addictive substance, it's a great marketing plan. Get all these people addicted and then we'll get regulated. But once they're addicted, they're going to use this product anyway. They're going to find a way to use it. And um, great. Okay. Now regulate us. We've got our, we've got our clientele set up. I mean, that's what it's kind of, maybe that's a cynic, you know, a little bit of the cynic in me and um, uh, a little bit of... It's totally plausible that that was the push by, by these companies during this kind of free-for-all time where they weren't being regulated. The FDA has been holding on to this idea that these, these products can be an off-ramp for current cigarette smokers, but as more research comes out on who's using these products and, and who benefit, I wouldn't even see, say benefits, just who's using the, these products and, and the impacts that it has. It's not, I mean, current cigarette smokers just really aren't using them. I think something around like 4% of, of adults use these e-cigarette devices compared to about 13% of teens like nationally. And then in research on whether these products help smokers secede, stop smoking. They People have more success with the, the current FDA-approved devices. And there was one study that showed people who were offered money to quit smoking did better than if they got e-cigarettes. So I just think all of the evidence is pointing the direction that these things are just the new incarnation of the terrible smoking corporations. Yeah, it's it kind of sounds like it. That's that's what I also make up as well and, and kind of think about. Like that sounds... Yeah, that sounds reasonable. And also what you were talking about earlier, you had, and I was, I, I think, reading in your article that uh, about how they formulate it with this salt-based delivery system. I don't even know what this means because I'm not a chemist, but it, that it has this potency in the body that's even different from cigarettes, that is absorbed different or somehow you get more nicotine, the addictive substance of nicotine, than you do from a regular cigarette. Right. That's definitely what I've been hearing is that these vaping juices, these products are are affecting the body in, in ways that are much different than cigarettes. Um, again, I also don't know exactly the, the science or the right. composition, but there is a lot of there's a lot of different chemicals and there's a lot of different particles in these in these liquids. And that's another thing that health officials want to stress. Health officials that are on the side of getting teens off of these devices is that a lot of teens think that they're just vaping harmless water, something like that, flavored water. Um, But there's chemicals, there's at least three carcinogenic chemicals in these mixtures. And there's a recent report in an Australian medical journal I just read today that found uh, pesticides and just some really, some really gross chemicals. And and on top of that, you can buy juice for vaping liquid that's supposed to be with no nicotine. And they found nicotine in in these juices. So 
Right. And you, I mean, if there's no regulation, you don't know who's manufacturing it, any standards of manufacturing. So all that leads to another level of unsafety. Tell me a little bit, you interviewed in, in your article, you interviewed or you talked to some of these teens. In talking to them, what did you see from them? Like what, what was their story? I would say that the pattern of use was popped up in, in some of the same conversations where, you know, it was something they maybe had tried cigarettes and and liked the they liked the nicotine rush from cigarettes, but they knew that cigarettes are bad for you. So then they started seeing all their friends using these jewel products. They tried it themselves. They liked it. And they said, okay, so if, you know, instead of having a cigarette when I go out at night with when I'm drinking at college parties or something, I talked to a couple of college students recently. They said, oh, I'll try this device. And then they got to the point where they said, okay, maybe I will buy my own because everybody was sharing them. Maybe they did. They wanted to be able to share. Or they didn't want to share so much. And as soon as they bought their own, they... They said the timeline was going from a pod a week to a pod a day. And that's when they felt that their addiction had just gotten to be too much. And they started thinking about how they were going to quit. And I, they said it was really hard. They said it just did not feel good. And that the hit from, from the jewel and the hit from the nicotine was really relaxing. Yeah. And, and they, they wanted it. That's so strange you tell that story because I think back of my youth when I started smoking, it was the exact same story. It was like, oh, I'll, my friend has one, I'll try one. And then you borrow a few from your friends. And then finally you just say, oh, I'll buy my own cigarettes. And then just the same exact transition. And then getting to a point where you've got to quit. And it is, it was, I mean, I can tell for me, I think, you know, I smoked for like 10 years. It was two years of off and on, off and on, trying and trying and really having to like put every effort into quitting. I can't, I can't imagine, especially with the availability of these jewels and nicotine, how hard that will be like for these kids, a lot of them. I mean, I think some will quit, sure. But I think there's a lot of them that they may struggle this for years. And it's such a social thing too. I mean, that's what they said since they these products have all these different flavors, people are taking them out and, and, they're, and they're swapping them with each other and, and they're sharing them. And you go to a particular place. I mean, one girl said that outside of the bar she would go to in college, they would go and hang out on the patio where people used to smoke cigarettes. But now everybody had a jewel. And, and when you're a teen, when you're in college... Yeah. It's the new tobacco. I mean, it just sounds like the new tobacco. It's the new drug delivery device. You know, once we use cigarettes, we just got better at it. And and, um, these poor kids who are, who are young and then all, yeah, all the mental health issues, physical issues that we have no idea, I guess at this point, it's kind of, kind of crazy. And um, hopefully that um, they'll be some work to, to, maybe we can work a little faster than the tobacco because we, we uh, already understand that and went through that. So maybe we, yeah. there's some there that we can take to this product. It's crazy to think that in terms of bringing down the rate of smoking in the U.S., I guess in 1964 was when they had that first U.S. Surgeon General report that smoking causes cancer leads to death. And about 45% of U.S. Americans smoked. And I think now we're somewhere around 17% or 15%. And it's, it's amazing. It's saying, wow, like we've gotten to such a low level of adults smoking cigarettes, but it's taken us like over half a century, half a century 
to get to that point. I mean, it's just mind boggling. And so it's so easy for things to come out and, and gain a following. And it's so much harder to, to reverse it. And when it's addictive and nicotine is highly addictive, that just adds to that, um, that dilemma. Wow. You know, Laura, I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast. If people want more information about you and, and want to get a hold of you, how can they do that? You can go, you can Google my name, Laura Kelly, Washington Times. I pop up pretty easily. It's uh, myself and Laura Kelly, who's the governor of Kansas, are probably, you know, okay. pretty prominent Laura Kelly's. <laughs> Just right. don't confuse the two. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Hello Laura Kelly. And, um, and my email is lkelly at washingtontimes.com. Always loving to hear from, from readers and, and people who, they, if they've got a tip or something, I'm happy, happy to hear from them. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate your time and your work on this article and being willing to come on the Addictive Mind podcast. And I'll link to that in the show notes as well. So everybody will, will be able to get that too. So thank you so much for coming on. Cool. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. Uh, What a great episode. I enjoyed uh, talking with Laura a lot. All the show notes will be at theaddictedmind.com forward slash 58. Once again, if you're enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please rate and review us in iTunes. I really appreciate it. And that really does help. Also join our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and type in search for the Addicted Mind podcast and click join. All right, everybody, I will talk to you next week. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.